Hey guys, Big Honk and Steve here along with you. Excited about a new Geek Out Loud uh, coming out. In fact, if we're lucky, you may get two this month, two this week even, just depending on how editing things go. Um, I want to tell you that the new Geek Out Loud, the new and improved, let me say, Geek Out Loud t-shirt is now available for you to purchase. Now, I know that last time we did this, there were so many problems and so many things wrong with the store and the way the store worked. We fixed those. Fingers crossed we fix those. Here's what you do. You go to geekoutonline.com, geekoutonline.com, look up the top, click on store. It'll take you to a place where you can buy not only Geek Out Loud merchandise, but Big Honkin' Show merchandise. And, hey, we've got two new designs of the Geek Out Loud shirts coming uh, later soon this week. So, so keep in touch. Keep going back. Orders are going to be available through Friday, August 6, 2010. Friday, August 6, 2010. At what point? We're shutting down the shop for a few days and uh, processing everyone's order and hopefully we'll have things out to you um, soon before August. We had so many problems last time we've tried to smooth all of that out and we're really excited about bringing you not only a new and improved original official Geek Out Loud shirt, the dots are there is what I'm saying, but also bringing you a new color in the Geek Out Loud shirt and bringing you a whole new Geek Out Loud shirt for you to happily display your geekdom. The cost is $15, $5.50 shipping and handling anywhere in the U.S. If you're in Canada, that's $8.50 shipping and handling. If you're over in the U.K., we're doing $14.50 shipping and handling. So um, that's how you know, U.S. dollars. And, uh, and so we will ship to those places. So head over there right now, geekoutonline.com, click on the store tab, and order your shirt today. Hi, this is Jason. And this is Jimmy Mack from the Forcecast. And you're listening to Geek Out Loud. May the Force be with you, bro. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, Jason and Jimmy Mack from the Forcecast stopped by to talk a little state of Star Wars as we gear up for Star Wars Celebration 5 in Orlando. I'm so excited, I can't wait. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Geek Out Loud. Your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, uh, hello again, everyone, and uh, welcome uh, to Geek Out Loud. And today, because I'm really gearing up for uh, Celebration Five, Star Wars Celebration Five, down in Orlando, Florida, and I've been hearing people talk and, and different things. And basically, what Geek Out Loud always ends up being is a reaction to haters of just about anything. And uh, and so what what I wanted to do today was kind of talk about 
the state of Star Wars and, and how it stands right now and how people are looking at it and, and everything that's going on, good, bad, or otherwise. And to do that, I could think of no better people to bring in than, um, than the guys who are on the cusp of the Star Wars media in the, in the nation, in the world. They are just, these guys are, uh, you can't say enough about how in touch and how on the pulse, how, how much they have their finger on the pulse of, of Star Wars in this nation, in this world. I'm talking about, of course, the host of the Force cast, uh, Jason and Jimmy Mack. Welcome, guys. Great to be here. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Great to be back. And uh, it's great to have you guys. It, um, Jimmy Mack has actually started down the dark path to multiple podcasts. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I'll, ne- I'll never match your 20 or 30. I don't know how many you got out there, but well, uh, the summer- I do have two. I actually, uh, we do the Forcecast, which you can find at Forcecast.net. And uh, then I do a little show with my wife, Wendy, and it, that is called Snide Remarks Radio. Snide with a Snide with a Y, Remarks Radio, and you can find that at SnideRemarksRadio.net. And, uh, and you guys are coming on strong with Snide Remarks Radio, man. Uh, it's 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 better and better every time I listen. I really enjoy listening to you and Wendy go at it. Jason uh, is out in the sticks. Yeah. He is uh, he's stuck somewhere in Tatooine or something. I don't know. And uh, we're bringing. I'm in Hartville. I'm in Hartville, Ohio, uh, at my folks' place uh, for dinner. And um, I apologize if uh, I don't sound great because it's. Uh, I'm on AT&T's Edge Network. I don't even have 3G up here, so we are walking I, uh, all over a family about dinner. The sound quality, Steve. That's fine. That's fine. I just hate that we're walking all over your family dinner. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Mom's still cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> that sounds like the start of a country song. Um, <laughs> um, well, sure guys, let's let's jump right into it. Uh, the reason, I, like I said at the outset, I wanted to kind of do this episode is because Celebration Five is coming up. Now, I had the the chance to go to Celebration Three. You guys were, I think, both there, but you're also at Celebration Four. And Jimmy's been all over the world to Celebration Japan and and those type places. Uh, does it seem like to you guys, because you're reporting on it every week, doesn't this celebration coming up, does, does it seem like it's a little special in the way that, that it's being handled? Hmm. Well, um, like special special in, in what well, sort I mean, of I way? Know they're, well, they're all special. Uh, being handled. Right. Well, they're all, um, they're all special. But, I mean, this just seems to have kind of an extra ump behind it. It feels well, right. obviously, you're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Secondly, you're going to have George Lucas in attendance yeah, at this yeah. particular convention. He's only been to one other Star Wars celebration, and that was Celebration 3 yep. in 2005. Uh, it's going to be a big deal with Jon Stewart, mm-hmm. who's going to be there interviewing him. So that's that's great stuff for a Star Wars fan to say, I was there. Um, so yeah, obviously it's very special. And anytime you get together Star Wars fans from all over the world for the express interest of of, of getting behind Star Wars fandom, it's something special. Yeah. Uh, in comparisons to the other celebrations, those all provided great moments, great memories, big events. But you're right, Steve. I think just based on 
It's sort of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. Based on the history of these events and word of mouth and stories that are still being told years and years after these events come and go and friendships that are forged at these events, they become something almost legendary. Yeah. And it's... It's a, a thing like you want to say you were there, like Woodstock. You, yeah. you know, I mean, for you know, a couple generations ahead of us, you know, they, they, this is our Woodstock. Star Wars celebration is Woodstock for Star Wars. Well, fans. and let me tell you, and so analogy, it's a great analogy, and I think that it, it's important to, to point out that Americans have had have been on the sidelines since Celebration Four. We've we've had Celebration Europe and Celebration Japan. And at least here in the States, each celebration has gotten bigger and better. And so I think the anticipation for Five, I mean, I think the biggest story about Celebration Five, uh, fellas, was just how long we were anticipating the announcement that there would be a Celebration Five. This is true, Steve Sansweet. This is true, Steve Sansweet from Lucasfilm did tell us that never before has the anticipation for a Star Wars convention been as big as this? I mean, people were just on edge waiting yeah. for the announcement yeah. of, of Star Wars Celebration 5. And I think you can really give a lot of credit to social media, things like podcasts, like Geek Out and The Force Cast and other things like Twitter, where everyone's a broadcaster now. Yep. So... Yep. The hype machine's been rolling long before any announcement was made about Celebration 5, just in anticipation of that announcement. You know, I was I was really excited to hear uh, when, when Sansweet was on your show a couple of weeks ago, I was really stoked to hear that um, there's going to be more accessibility for the fans to uh, the main event with Lucas and Stewart. Uh, than than there was at Celebration Three. Uh, were you? Were, I know Jimmy. I know you were there. Jason, were you at Celebration Three? Yeah, I was at Celebration Three, and I, I did see the Lucas thing. I I actually don't recall there being a problem with accessibility um, going into it. Uh, and Celebration Three was before we I ever had any media credentials or anything like that with a forecast. I was just there as, as just a just a fan attending. And we, you know, I lined up at like eight, nine in the morning, mm-hmm. and they were giving out these wristbands. And the impression was you were going to be really lucky if you were going to get to see this. But yeah. by the end, yeah. they did three different sessions. Mm-hmm. And by session three, Jim, I think you were the one that told me they were just letting anybody in. The line was, was down by the time they got to the third session. This is different. This is one time, one session. And there's a finite number of spaces. I don't care what they say. Only a certain number of people are going to get into the room where it's actually happening live. Everybody else is going to be in spillover room for you to watch it on TV. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be in the room where it's happening live. I don't. I can watch George on TV anytime. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you there, Jason. Except that I remember being at Celebration Three. Like the night before Lucas, there were people lining up outside to be in the first yeah, show. And, and, but and no was, one knew. And that was all the hype. Yeah. That yeah. was all the hype. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. That was kind of the, that was sort of the heartbreak about that was that you didn't have to wake up at 2 a.m. and get in line because my understanding was that everybody that wanted to see that channel um, got to see it. Well, see, my friend and I that were there, we kind of gave up. 
when we saw that people were <laughs> lining up, like the, as right. we were leaving the convention center. You know, we just kind of said... Oh. That was the tragedy. Yeah. Steve, when I showed up, when I showed up on site at 8 or 9 in the morning, whatever it was, I remember this very snide guy telling me, one of the, uh, one of the uh, convention uh, uh, security uh, folks came over and told us that we're it. We're the last ones. We're the last ones getting in. And I said, well, you know, until I get turned away and I get told that I'm not going to get in, I'm sticking around. That way to stick and your I think guns. The real, the real shame of that was, um, and this was on part, I don't think this was any fault of Lucasfilm, I think this was the, uh, the convention partner, but there just wasn't good enough communication. Nobody knew um, that there were three sessions. Nobody knew what the capacity of the room was. Nobody knew what, how many people were in line. And I feel really bad that you walked away from it, Steve, because... Like I said, I had heard that everybody who wanted to see yeah. it, for the most part, got to see it. Yeah. And by the by, the third panel, it wasn't a line anymore. They were just ushering people in. Yeah, and see, and that's what I heard after the fact. But you know, mm-hmm. Celebration Three was still a great experience. Uh, you know, you, I, I, it was marred by huge problems in the Celebration store. Um, yep. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. I, my friend that I was with, his name's Marcus, we were coming in one morning, and I was getting ready to go to a panel that had Dave Prouse and Kenny Baker. That They were just up doing like a, they were doing a Q&A and telling some stories, that sort of thing. And um, and he was bound and determined to get in the store. But after I'd heard all the horror stories, again, I was like, you know what, I want to experience the convention as a whole. I don't want to spend all day in the store. Um as we're going in, the people who are in line for the store kind of parallel with us, and he just eased over in with them. <laughs> and, you know, for the next six hours, we're just kind of back and forth on cell phones. I'm like, well, how far along are you? How far along are you? And, um, and uh, it, you know, but overall, it was a great experience. And, and I think that, you know, you hear we've got a lot of those issues cleared up. We, we, you know, we've worked out some of the things, the problems that have been there in the past. I'm, I'm just really stoked for it to be down in Orlando in a few months or in a few weeks it's four weeks away now so what do you are you guys looking forward mostly to the george lucas john stewart main event or is there something else you're looking forward to as far as the convention itself goes well i'm you know it's kind of new for me but there's a whole social aspect to it that i'm really looking forward to and that's courtesy of my involvement with the force cast and you know going and hanging out with jason it's always you know great time when we actually get together in the same room which is rare um not as often as, as neither either of us would like and you know getting to see you big honking meet you for the first time and and see a lot of old friends make a lot of new friends um and, and just bond over the wars you know right, i think that's yeah. really cool i'm looking forward to doing some live podcasts from the official picks autograph hall um there's going to be a, we're going to have a nice little booth there and there's going to be plenty plenty of room for people to stand around and watch us do the force cast live. I'm looking forward to the George Lucas main event. There's no question about that. Um, but I also like the panels that maybe don't get all the hype. You know, if yeah. uh, maybe the sound master Ben Burt does a panel, I won't oh, miss sure. it because yeah. I'm yeah. a big fan of his work. Um, I like hearing the behind the scenes stories from the actors. And I've grown to like them as personalities beyond Star Wars. Yeah. I think Daniel Logan is a hilarious guy. Mm-hmm. I think I love hearing Steve Sansweet. Any presentation he yeah. does is uh, definitely worth waiting in line for. I like hearing behind the scenes stories from 
guys like Ray Park and hearing more about his, learning more about his martial arts career mm -hmm. and him as a person. So all those actors have, have just taken on, you know, th their own personalities just shine when they're at these events. And you become fans of them, not just because yep. Jeremy Bullock's Boba Fett, but you become a fan of his because he's actually a very talented performer and he tells compelling stories and he's a very interesting personality. I really enjoy that stuff, getting to know the behind the scenes yep. of Star Wars. Yep. So, uh, yeah, there's there's just so much to look forward to. And, of course, I want to pick up a few things, you sure, know, sure. get a few uh, action figures for the old collection. And, um, and uh, like I said, just uh, enjoy the parties that are going to be happening at nighttime and... Uh, and uh, and and everything, just just being in Florida is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm with Jimmy on that on the social aspect. I mean, this is like a family reunion with you know a dozen of of, of my best friends, and the fact that we're all there for a Star Wars event is just like the icing on the cake. I mean, I'd go, I'd fly to Orlando. Uh, if there was not a convention, if these guys were just going to be there, if I was going to get a chance to hang out with Jimmy and Kyle Newman, the guys from RalphMcQuarrie.com, and Dustin and Jay and Curto, and these guys that I get to see once every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but but looking at the convention itself, beyond that, I think I'm most looking forward to uh, being in the same room with my childhood hero, idol, uh, uh, Mark Hamill. I've never been uh, to an event where Mark was there. Uh, live in person, Jimmy had a great interview with Mark yep. at Celebration Japan. So I mean, I'm more excited about that actually than seeing George. Not not taking anything away from George. If you haven't seen George in person, as a Star Wars fan, it's like looking at the face of God. Um, but but Mark Hamill, I mean, from from being my childhood idol to then being there for me as a teenager with every afternoon after school with Batman the Animated Series as the Joker. I mean, he is, uh, and the fact that he's a big fan of musical theater, which I am as well. I mean, this guy, I just, I, I can't wait to uh, uh, at least shake his hand and tell him how much I admire his work and um, and, and uh, what a hero he, he's been to me my whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's something I think I'm definitely going to have to take advantage of this time that I'm at the last celebration was take advantage of the celebrities that are there as far as being able to just get to you know go pick up a picture get them to sign you know go to the official pics booth get them to you know and just to shake their hands and just to be there with them because everyone you know, my friend that was with me my friend marcus he was so much more uh i'm, I'm very much don't want to be that guy i'm very much the guy that i'm going to sit in i'm going to as the best i can fit my big self into the background i'm going to and i'm going to try not to you know make a scene uh, my friend marcus is like i don't care when, you know, when are you going to have this chance again? And so he was going up to these people and, and speaking with them, and they were just so well-receiving of him, you know? And, yeah. um, and, and, and that's the one thing I really took away from Celebration 3 was just, you know, don't be a jerk, but at the same time, understand that these people are here to see yeah. you. You know, as much as you're here to see them, they're here yeah. to see you. So, um, well, I think, the thing to keep, I think the thing to keep in mind, you know, if, if, if I get a chance to, to talk to... Uh, you know, Mark Hamill, I, I would ask Mark, I'd say, Mark, okay, um, growing up, you're eight, nine years old, who is your who is your TV hero? Who is your movie hero? I don't know who Mark Hamill might say. He might say Roy Rogers. Uh, you know, I don't know who it would be. And I'm like, all right, fine. You're 32 years old. You're sitting in front of Batman or Superman or Roy Rogers or whoever your your idol is. I know it freaks these, uh, these, these actors out from time to time, but... Um, 
the fact of the matter is that these folks are extraordinarily special to us. Yeah. We understand. Look, we're all grown-ups. We know that they're not the characters. Right. But there's something so special about seeing them in person. And um, I still get, you know, no matter how many conventions I go to, how many folks, I'm, you know, Jimmy and I are so blessed and fortunate to get to interview, I still get goosebumps when I'm standing next to uh, somebody who is actually there on the set in the costume, in the mask, they're holding the lightsaber or whatever, yeah. it's, it's, it's still a kick. Yep. And I totally agree with your buddy. You only get this opportunity, you know, maybe once every couple of years or maybe once in a lifetime. Make the most of it. Sure. Get out there, big honking. Uh, well, I hear you. I hear you. And I w- <laughs> I'll be a lot more dogmatic about it this time. I just, you know, like I say, even with you guys, I'm like, I just want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that's all like, hey, I'm hanging out with the Forge Cats guys. And you guys, should, you guys should totally be jealous of me because I'm talking to Jason and Jimmy Mac right now, and they're my best friends. You know, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to come off as that guy. And so, uh, but yeah, well, one of the big things about Celebration Five, or one of the reasons, you know, they really that we all thought it was coming, and then it ends up coming, is that this year is the 30th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Many people say it's the, you know, I think it's agreed upon by and large. It's the best Star Wars movie of the six. Um, my favorite is Jedi. Uh, I was, you know, I got to see Empire in theaters. I don't remember it as much as I remember going to see Jedi uh, in theaters. Uh-huh. But, um, but uh, I guess my thing is, whereas I felt like with the 30th anniversary of Star Wars, um, you know, three years ago, it seemed like that was out there in everybody's face. It seemed like in 2007 everybody knew that it's the 30th anniversary of star wars has the 30th anniversary of empire outside of like star wars fandom and in our community has it gone kind of unnoticed well you know it might look that way and i'll tell you why because when you're celebrating the 30th anniversary of star wars you're celebrating not just the anniversary of a new hope the first film Mm -hmm. you're celebrating all of star wars in my personal opinion because that's where it all started And to three years later, try to match that or have something as high profile as that is not going to work. It's totally ineffective because you've already celebrated the 30th anniversary of all things Star Wars, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And that was just three years ago. So I think the next really big Star Wars anniversary we're going to be seeing is the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And... um, that's where you'll see probably much more media focus, uh, etc. Now, I don't mean to say, you know, diminish the fact that Empire Strikes Back was one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yes, its 30th anniversary does need to be acknowledged and celebrated. But it might be a little bit more of an intimate affair with uh, friends and family sure. as opposed to opening it up to the broad public uh, consciousness mm-hmm. because... It's more special to the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Once you've celebrated the 30th anniversary of Star Wars, which we did three years ago, yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of it's been there, done that. <laughs> so let's just hold off for the 40th anniversary and make it a huge big media event. Well, I'm not saying I'm privy to sort of like meetings going on sure. in Lucasfilm. I'm not, I'm not sharing any ins- insight with anyone. I'm just sort of, you know, speculating as to how, you know, things get consumed on a public level and 
uh, Star Wars is definitely something that gets consumed on a public level, but I believe the, the, the 30th anniversary of Empire is one that's more celebrated amongst fandom as mm-hmm. opposed to the general pop culture. I, I, I agree. I agree, but I got to tell you, you know, as somebody who works in, in marketing and PR, I, I was actually really pleased and surprised uh, to see uh, outlets like USA Today and, and uh, MSNBC uh, dot com and all that cover, you know, stories about the charity screenings, about the 30th yeah, anniversary. Yeah. I thought they got some good love in the mainstream media. Um, for the most part, I kind of glaze over when I see those stories. They're not of any interest to me because they have to talk to such a, you know, low, you know, I hate to say this, it sounds elitist, but I mean, you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. A lower common denominator, you know, the, the, the bylaw or the head, you know, the, the, uh, the first paragraph is reminding people what Star Wars is, and then you got to get um, uh, a line in there about how weird Lucas is and how he's real reclusive and doesn't talk to the media. And you got to get a line in there about how everybody hated the prequels, and then there's your mainstream, you know, media uh, Star Wars treatment. Right. So I, I typically don't really read those, and, I'm, and I don't care. But I was, ex- you know, happy for Lucasfilm to see that there was some love about the 30th anniversary. Yeah. I think that it had a lot to do with those those charity screenings. I mean, to get Harrison Ford out there uh, to go on stage and talk about the Empire, actually make him sit there and watch Empire, and then have him <laughs> talk about it afterwards, I mean, that's a feat that only George Lucas could accomplish. Well, do you think that that's why those things got some, some love from the media, is that, you know, at the one, Harrison Ford was there. You know, yeah. and and I think that was kind of big news that you know Harrison Ford's come out and he's actually talking to fans. And uh, granted, I love some of the audio we had from that on your guys' show. It was just <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fans. I'm uh, gonna go back in the building. Stop pushing. I'm going back <laughs> in the building. <laughs> Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, sign this, sign this, stopped, sign this. We stop. Yeah, sign that. <laughs> 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 no, I, I've always said we have a we have a love hate with uh, love hate relationship with Harrison Ford on the Force Cast. Love him because he's breathed uh, life into such amazing iconic characters, and you know I jump in front of a train for him. But uh, wish that he would show Star Wars fans a little bit more uh, consideration. I just I wish that he had the same affection for the character of Han Solo that he does for Indiana Jones. I do too. I do too. I've wondered that for a long time, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that he had a better business deal for uh, Indy than yeah. he did for for uh, Han Solo, um, you know, or the fact you know it could have a lot. You know, George is not known for being a real um, actor's director, mm-hmm. and uh, whereas Spielberg is, yeah. and you know, the, the 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 process of making an indie film might suit somebody like a Harrison Ford better than a Star Wars film. Yeah. But what I what I never can understand is why he shows such um, uh, a lack of understanding for that character's um, interest to fans, why fans love that character so much. And the almost borderline, you know, being kind of, uh, uh, you know, nastier insulting about it from time to time yeah, yeah he's, um, he's, and i don't really truly in my heart believe that he feels that way but he does he can come across that way and, yeah um you know when you compare it to some of the other actors that just have fun being part of the star wars universe but hey that's harrison and he's a he's a mega star yeah and he's he's you know 
he can do what he wants. But I, I got to give him a lot of uh, credit for doing the charity screening. That was oh, awesome. Sure, and yeah. those who were in attendance, I believe our, our buddy Kyle Newman was there. And what an experience. I mean, just what an experience to hear him talk about Star Wars for an hour. How awesome. Yeah. And awesome that he did it for charity. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's happening because of the 30th anniversary of Empire is is we're getting something in it. And I know you guys like to give Kyle Newman credit for it um, because on your show he, he brought up this idea. Um, this vintage line that's coming out from Hasbro that has got us all re-energized, except for Jimmy Mac, um, as it pertains to <laughs> collecting. And, um, you know, Hasbro's coming along. They've got this huge ad-at that Rebel Scum has had posted. You know, Dan, I, I happened to be up real late the night that Dan got it and began to open it and post pictures on the Rebel Scum Facebook page. And I was just like, do I sit up and wait for more? Uh, you know, do, because I just wanted to see it. And he's unboxing it piece by piece. I'm like, hurry up. Just do it. Um, Very and, uh, meticulous, Edward. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, now I'm going to take a picture of how I removed the tape from the flap. I'm like, no. Just pull it out of the box. Um, yeah. Uh, but but there's, you know, it's really kind of re-energized a lot of us that haven't been able to hold the flimsy card in our hand. Um, you know, is collecting's changed a lot, though. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I, I get really, see, I live in a town where I'm two hours away from the nearest Target or Toys R Us. We've got a Walmart. And... Oh. And man, Sorry to hear that. When when it, I said I'm we yeah it, it's terrible because when everything dries up it's gone, mm-hmm. and nobody in South Georgia cares about Star Wars toys, and so you walk in and there on the peg is swinging you know some random Clone Wars character that you know if just I just buy him by the case Steve Steve just buy him by the case uh, that's what <laughs> you know, I, the last the last uh, two years that I was hardcore collecting. I just, I got fed up with the hunt, and because of places like, you know, Entertainment Earth and Brian's Toys and places like that, just buy them by the case. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready to buy extras on eBay. And in most cases, um, you'll have enough extras that um, by the time you sell off your your, um, your, uh, doubles on eBay, um, you're paying regular store price. Yeah. Honestly, it's just not worth the aggravation. I'm totally with you. Yeah, it's, it's... I love the thrill of the hunt. When there's something to be hunted, yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you're fishing in a lake that has no fish, crying out loud, yeah, how much fun is it? It's so, it's so, it can be frustrating. Um, but now, Jimmy, you actually mentioned you. Now, Jason, have you found any of these? Are you still doing daily Toys R Us runs? Uh, not daily. I, I actually got the first wave. I found all eleven okay. on my first run um, of the first wave, and I, I'm excited about them. But I just want to say, real quick, that we've been. <laughs> Jimmy and Kyle and I have been lighting up the email with this conversation. And what I want to say, I'm not really all that excited about the first wave, but what has me excited as a collector is I'm getting what I've always wanted, which is prequel characters with vintage-style card backs. That's what I'm really excited about. I can really give a, you know, care about this first wave, but, man, when I saw Jedi News break that image of, um, of Cody on an episode three vintage card yeah i was like this is what i wanted yep and um i'll let i'll let jimmy speak to the other side of it but that had me excited (laughs) well it really didn't excite me at all quite honestly (laughs) i uh i i think it's kind of sacrilegious a little bit to be 
putting prequel figures on vintage cards. I think it diminishes the value of the original vintage cards. And I think you should just leave the past in the past in this situation. I think the character selection for these waves is very boring to someone who's been collecting these figures nonstop for 30 plus years. Um, and I, I was even collecting them when they weren't coming out. In the eight, yeah. you know, in the eighties and early nineties, I would uh, go around to like Star Trek conventions and ask the dealers in in the in the dealer room, hey, you know, got any Star Wars stuff? You know, I'm looking at the table. I see right. a phaser, being uh, on Batleth. Oh god! I'm like, where's the Star Wars stuff? And they're always like, cardboard box under the table. So I'd pull the cardboard box out and I'd pull out. I'd be like, ooh, an emperor's royal guard with no cape. And I just yell, <laughs> gather up all these, you know, beat up figures that I could find. And, you know, got great deals on them. My God. Yeah. I mean, I was buying these things for just pennies. Yeah. yeah they just wanted to move it. Yep. Because nobody thought Star Wars was going to come back. Right. And it. it really did die out. It yep. died out until Tim Zahm's novel in 1991. But. There was nothing going on during that period yeah. other than Star Tours at Disney and West End Games. Yeah. And even, you know, even those publications and that ride and stuff, I mean, you know, the ride was built for the mainstream and the, the, the West End Games publications. I didn't play any of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I just picked up those books because I love the, uh, the background information it gave on all those characters. And it was essentially the birth of the modern EU. Yeah, yeah. Um, these new but back to the action figures yeah. um <laughs> remember that remember we were talking about that yeah, yeah. see my, my problem is well actually staying on topic when we're talking about these vintage figures is because i do understand that it is bringing a lot of collectors back into the fold and i think that's a good thing as someone who's been collecting like i said nonstop for 30 years i'm someone who has always opened the action figures. Mm -hmm. I like to have them loose. I like to hold them. I like to look at them. I like to, you know, get close up look at them. I let my kids play with them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're not allowed to touch the vintage, but. Right, right. I just don't get excited about packaging. Hmm. I just don't. I think toys need to be opened yeah. uh, to be appreciated. And this vintage collection does sort of intrigue me. I, I know I will be purchasing some of them. There, there are some figures out there that have been announced that I, I want to get for my collection and I, I might buy a couple and keep them on the card. Mm -hmm. We were talking today, uh, Kyle brought up the uh, uh, Governor Tarkin figure, yeah. which was one of the hugest oversights from the original yep. Star Wars action figure line of the 70s and 80s. They never made a Governor Tarkin. Yep. Grand Moth Grand was completely Moth. ignored. Yep. And I mean, think of how much fun playing with that vintage Death Star would have been if you had a vintage oh, Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin. Heck yeah, yeah. Would have been fabulous. Yeah. But no, Hasbro thought that kids of that era did not want to play with an ugly old man action figure. No, I, would him, right? I would have turned him. I would have turned him to Princess Leia yeah. and said, "We will um, deal with your rebel friends soon enough." I, I really, I really do appreciate how this vintage collection is getting older collectors who might have stepped away for a few years excited, mm -hmm. but. To me, it doesn't really fill too many holes in my collection. Right. Commander Cody's a good example. That's the first figure that we've seen an image of on the vintage card with the Revenge of the Sith logo, which is different and interesting, but I don't really care because that era was that era. And that Commander Cody figure, they've released like three of them in the last couple years. Yeah. 
I don't get excited about the actual figure. I'm more concerned with what's under the bubble. <laughs> you know, right, right. I, I, I want I want the figure out and up on a shelf. And I mean, if you want to see what I'm talking about, I got this bug up my butt earlier this week to start a series on the official Forcecast Facebook page nice. of just iPhone snaps of my Star Wars room. Yeah. And you can see my loose collection is it's overwhelming yeah. actually yeah. and it's all out and it's all displayed and my kids walk in there and they look on the shelves and I let them check figures out like it's a book from the library. Nice. And they're, you know, they can take a maximum out. Sometimes with accessories, sometimes without, because mm. I know they'll lose them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and and so I like my figures loose, yeah. and so I can't get really excited about a wave of action figures just based on packaging alone. But Another thing that sort of diminishes my excitement for this series is the fact that they did this no more than three years ago where they did have vintage cards modern figures on vintage cards swinging on the pegs yeah. and they released about i think it was a line of about 17 of them right right oh. right 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 they did it they did it over a span of about three years yeah. and i think there were three or four different waves but i gotta i gotta defend here and just remind folks that th these were all original trilogy characters yep. on vintage cards and they were all characters that had already been uh, made in the in the vintage era by Kenner. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't, they weren't, I mean, yeah, they were new sculpts, they were the updated modern line, but they were not updated modern characters in terms of prequel or, say, like a Grand Moff Tarkin that they didn't make in the, in the original line. And I just want to speak to those of my, my fellow um, mint on card collectors or whatever. For whatever reason, I, the only thing I can say is I like the memory of finding the figure or of buying the figure more so than playing with the loose figure whereas Jim likes to not play but Jim likes to you know move the figure around and pose them on a stand and do all that whereas I will never forget in 97 98 walking into Toys R Us turning the corner and seeing the latest wave which was the Tarkin the Gamorrean Guard Slave Leia the new Han Best and that wave to me and that was when I realized it was so much fun to be a collector again. Yeah. So I love looking at those figures still on the card in my collection because that's the memory that I have yeah. is finding them. But I can totally understand the um, the, uh, the 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 loose guys too. So, yeah. Jim, I, um, I, but I I'm excited again, and I think that I'm part of the audience Hasbro is really trying to reach with uh, bringing me back into the fold. But it's a, having said that, I totally understand where Jimmy's coming yeah, from because yeah. he did, has not stayed out of collecting for the last couple of years like yeah. I did. And he's like, hey, what gives? I'm not excited. I've seen all these guys before. Yeah. So I get it. Well, I, you know. And something, something that really, something that really, like, just turns me off big time is the first figures to hit the pegs at Toys R Us have been priced at $10 a figure. Yeah, I heard you say that. Why the, the premium? That's, that's wild. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Why, why the premium? Yeah. Are we paying three extra dollars per figure for the packaging? Just the whole concept I alone. I think it's a mistake. In fact, um, what I think this is, is this is Toys R Us. Um, Toys R Us, um, first of all, they're always a little higher than your Walmarts and your Targets. And I think they actually have this somehow confused with that old uh, vintage line that Jimmy's talking about where they were in those special protective clamshells. 
I have a, I, I actually, um, I, I don't know if, the, if these are starting to show up in uh, Targets or, or Walmarts, but I think when they do, I think you're going to see the prices come down. I think they're going to be brought down to the same price as the uh, as the other ones. But I'm with Jimmy. Believe me, I did not want to part with 115 bucks or whatever it was by that whole first yeah. that whole first wave. Yeah. Um, but I knew if I didn't get the first wave, and then I started getting the other ones. I would be annoyed, and I'd have to go back and pick those other ones yeah, up. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's what has bugged me about what's come in the past year or two. When they first started, when they put, when they gave the big push a couple of years ago, the first day of release stickers, you know, going into the first season of the Clone Wars, you had your build of droids. Man, I was all about. I was picking things up again. That kind of re-energized me. Uh, that way, for whatever reason, maybe it was the Clone Wars coming on TV, you know, or, or whatever. That re- really well, re-energized so, You my- know what I think it was? I think, Steve, it had a lot to do with this whole concept of street date. And I've actually, I've, 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 this has bothered me about Hasbro for a long time. I understand that there are technical reasons why they can't do it or whatever. But I feel like, look, if you can walk into a video store, you can walk into Best Buy on a Tuesday, and you know that those movies have been released on that day, and that's when they're going to be on the shelf. To me, as a collector, that would get me excited. If I knew, all right, it's wave three, it's, uh, you know, it's August uh, 18th, and I know that they got an on-shelf date of August 18th, and if I get to the store on that day, I got a good shot of getting it. That is what excited me as a collector on all these Midnight Madnesses, because I knew I'd walk into the store and see new product. But it gets irritating going into these stores and seeing the same stuff, the same stuff, the same stuff. General general loathsome thing in there. You know, will I still be as energized? Uh, nine months from now, when I'm still seeing, you know, Best in Luke right. hanging from the peg when I really want to see, you know, whatever the, the latest wave is, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I got the stomach for it anymore. I'm getting old and cranky. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think overall, though, can we agree that this is kind of this new vintage line, this look? has kind of energized some of us older collectors. Not not all of us, not maybe the loose ones. And, Jimmy, I'm very mixed in my collecting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I hear there's a figure that's supposed to be real, really rare, I will, I'll kind of hold off on opening it. But I love to open figures. That's my problem, is, is that's part of the joy for me, is opening these things. Um, yeah. You know, and, and in my Star Wars room, I have a whole, you know, I have shelves and shelves, you know, similar to what you have, Jimmy. Uh, of my collection I've got the vintage stuff I've got the newer stuff the other day I had some friends at my house they have a four year old little boy and he loves Star Wars loves it Um, and I don't mean just the Clone Wars series he loves the movies he loves the toys he loves Star Wars and so uh, we were finally able to get him over to my house and let him play in the Star Wars room and of course they're freaking out because they think that I'm you know hold all this stuff so sacred that I don't want a kid playing with it I'm like that's what they're made for is to play with you know and um, and it was funny as a four year old looked at me and said, "Why don't you get on the floor and play with me here?" Um, you know, and, and he was playing with the big Millennium Falcon, and he was, you know, it was really neat to see all that. But he couldn't have done that if I left everything in a box or in a package, you know. And and I don't think they would display as well as I've got a few displays made. But when there's something really rare, I kind of hold off on opening it, and then like you find. Uh, Yarna, all, you know, warming the pegs later on. You're like, oh, I can open her up and stick her in my Java scene now. Um, <laughs> and uh, and but, do you feel like? I mean, can we? Do, do we agree that maybe this is kind of for a lot of collectors bringing them back to the table? Is this a good thing for collectors overall? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have to support the line if you want the line to continue. And uh, 
we do know that Hasbro is going to hold on to this license for a number of years to come. So we want them to make sh- make it a priority. Yeah. You know, anything Star Wars out there, sh- I mean, it should be a priority for Hasbro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. Some years more so than others. Right. But Star Wars is one of the hugest toy lines for kids, for boys, that ever existed. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, hey, you know, more people to the party is better for everyone, for all Star Wars fans, as long as we support the brand. A big problem I do have, though, is, is I do think there's a little too much stuff out there from time to time, you know? Really? And I can't keep track of it all. So, um, uh, that, that might be something that's hurt collectors in the past, is that it's just... It's hard to keep up. If you're going to be a completionist, it's hard to keep up. There's yeah. just so much stuff out there. But if you can just step back and collect to collect and have fun with it, then collecting should never be a burden. It should always be a fun hobby. It should be a fun extension of your fandom. If it becomes a burden, then you know it's time to step back. Yeah. When you're not paying your mortgage, then you know <laughs> right. it's time to step yeah. back. Yeah, indeed. All things in perspective. Yeah. But I think that the vintage line is bringing a lot of collectors back. And there, some of these collectors are wondering why they left in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, more power to it. More power to it. I have my critiques of it, and, you know, that's that's my yeah. thing. Guarantee you. These, these figures will end up in my collection sooner or later, but I'm not all hyped up about sure. it. And I'm not sure. camping out in front of Toys R Us to get them, sure. like I know collectors have been doing, yeah. and that's fine. That's great. It's you know the thrill of the hunt, but um, but I'm stepping back a little and 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 throwing a little perspective down on what I think this line is all about. And uh, and to me, I don't just it's not like the shock and awe ca- shock and awe campaign. For me, yeah, yeah, um, because I I've been in the fold for the last thirty years, yeah, and uh, I've seen these characters time and time again, yep. several of them. Another General Grievous coming soon. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, guys, I I know Jason's got to eat supper, Jimmy. You got to get out of the office, and so do I. So I'll just I'll, I'll jump down to this, and it's something that I keep hearing. You you know, Jason, you mentioned it that when you see something in in the media like USA Today or MSNBC or somewhere like that. There's always got to be these little jabs thrown at Star Wars. When when the writer begins to write the article, they, they feel like they got to throw in a jab. And it's no different in the podcasting world or the blogosphere, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and I get, and I've been hearing lately as, I don't know if it's over Clone Wars, people just mention it or whatever. And they always seem to like if they're talking Indiana Jones, they might bring up Star Wars, they might bring up, uh, there was a lot of talk back when Avatar came out, you know, how um, James Cameron had done this amazing stuff. And, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, with, with some of the summer movies that have come out, Iron Man 2 and, and that sort of thing. And you'll always hear, like, I. I just inevitably hear or read someone say something to this effect. Well, it's not like George Lucas, who's kind of lost his touch. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've thought so much about this, Steve. I really have. I mean, it comes up on our show all the time. And here's the thing. I think when it comes to G-level, George Lucas-level Star Wars, whether it be the Clone Wars, whether it be the prequels, the thing that separates the Star Wars property on a G-level basis is that George refuses to compromise. Mm-hmm. 
If you look at other properties, whether it be Star Trek, whether you look at some of the, the, the comic book franchises, Batman is a great example. The difference between the Burton films, and we won't even talk about Schumacher, but the difference between the Burton films and the Chris Nolan films, they, they tend to age with the audience. So, in other words, if you were a kid when the original came out, they got to hype it up and they want to make it for you as the adult that you are when the new one comes out. Mm -hmm. And what I really respect about George is that he kept the original audience in mind for Star Wars. It's that 8 to 12-year-old boy audience is really what it is. And he's absolutely refused to compromise. Yeah. One of the reasons why a lot of the hardcore fans did not like the prequels is because it was not made for them. Yeah, yeah. It was made for the young kids of that time. Clone Wars is a great example. Now, if you are into Star Wars and you want something a little more hardcore, there are games and there are comics and there are novels that take a little bit more of an adult approach to Star Wars. They're not my cup of tea because they're not Star Wars to me. Yeah. I think what separates Star Wars as a brand and as a property when it comes to, like I said, the Lucas-influenced stuff, the films, the Clone Wars, maybe what we'll be seeing in the live-action series is Lucas will not age the brand with the fans. He keeps it aimed at that, at that target. Stay on target, right. just like the movie says. Right. And, and I love that about George, and I love that about Star Wars. And when I see these trailers for some of these video games, and yes, they're impressive, yes, they're cool, lots of eye candy, but often, more times than not, it doesn't have the tone, the voice of Star Wars to me. And that's because they're shooting for a different demographic. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you're right. I mean, the mainstream media is always, you know, it's always George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, and who's come under fire recently, for, you know, by fans for the prequels, or whatever, it's been 10 years, yeah. for God's sake. They still bring this up. Um, it's really kind of, uh, I think, unfair. Um, but by and large, I, th I really credit George for not compromising and keeping Star Wars, his Star Wars, aimed at the generation or the, the demographic that he's that he's uh, striving to. Yeah, Jim, you're a big Star Wars. I mean, you're you're passionate about this as much as as much as I am. As far as you know, when someone starts to say that George Lucas has lost his touch and they begin to poo-poo the prequels, um, my blood starts to boil a little bit because <laughs> I just remember when I saw The Phantom Menace, you know, 11 years ago, I walked out of the theater and was it was like I was a kid again and I was like doing fake lightsaber battles with, you know, <laughs> air. And, you know, and my other friend were acting like we're lightsaber because it was just we'd gotten into it that much. Um how do you respond? I mean, do you? How do you respond to people that say, "Well, George Lucas has lost his touch. He just doesn't have it anymore." Well, I've grown tired of trying to fight that fight <laughs> with people that you know that I determine it's just not worth my time. Yeah. yeah. Um. And the Force Cast has been a great outlet for that mm -hmm. because I can talk Star Wars to a, an audience that understands where I'm coming from. Yeah. And so just being able to have that sort of uh, forum that sort of uh, like valve where I can turn it on and just geek out about Star Wars, mm -hmm. as you like to say, big honking. Yes, indeed. Um, you know that that to me just sort of soothes me and and it, it reaffirms what makes me a fan. Yeah, yeah. Just like you said, 
it, it, go back to that feeling after you walked out of the theater the first time you saw The Phantom Menace. I was, uh, I was just extremely pleased and satisfied yep. from the beginning to the end. Yep. Um, I was blown away, actually. And I remember walking by myself through downtown Chicago from the movie theater back to my car. It was a decent little walk, and I was just like replaying the, the film in my head. And it was a movie you'd been in for 16 years, mm -hmm. and yeah. I'd always thought about that moment sitting in the theater and seeing those letters Star Wars come across the screen, and then watching the, the crawler, the yeah. scroll yeah. sort of fill you in on what's going on. You know, I mean, it's it, to me, it was a lot more about the experience yeah. sometimes yeah. than it was the actual film. Yeah. Um, and, and so then as the summer progressed, there were, uh, were a lot of naysayers who, who raised their, their ugly heads, um, you know, accusing the film of everything from racism to, uh, to being poorly acted, to being poorly written, and everyone has their opinions. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it at all. And as a matter of fact, I went back to the theater to try to pick it apart and, and say, well, how come I'm not seeing what these critics are seeing? And yeah, you know, there's certain things sure, in sure. any film yeah. that will not appeal to everyone, but I just couldn't understand it. And I oh. got tired of, of making the argument for it. I saw the so, Phantom Menace um, 17 um, times. The blood, boiling, the blood boiling thing, I, I totally understand yeah. that. I totally understand it, but I've become much, much more passive about it, I think, lately, because... My fandom gets reaffirmed every week yeah. on the Forcecast. Yeah. It's not like I need it, but right. it's good to know it's there. And I do happen to know that there are a lot of fans of Episode 1 specifically, yeah. and a lot more have come back to the fold. Yeah, I think I that think, film think has, aged. has aged rather well, yeah, I actually. Think, I think that and, film has aged well. Uh, there are a lot of people who are going to argue with me about it, but those are people who haven't given it a second chance and maybe looked at it again a decade later. And, and now that you know the whole story, most of the blanks have been filmed in thanks to the completion of the prequel trilogy. I think when you look at Phantom Menace and see all the sort of seeds that get planted in that film, I think it resonates yeah. even a little bit more than it did the day it was released here 11 years later. Have either of you guys gotten, outside of your children, gotten to introduce anyone to Star Wars in, in recent years? No, oh, my oh, wife. My wife. Yeah. yeah, my wife too. <laughs> we both married girls who were not yeah. Star Wars yeah. fans at all. As a matter of fact, we, Wendy never we, even saw the films. Yeah, neither did my wife. In fact, um, one of the greatest thrills of my life, really, was my wife and I were dating. We were at the Ohio State University when the special editions were coming out. Mm. And I actually got to not only introduce her to the films, but introduce her to the films in order. Uh, one, two, three, or excuse me, four, five, six, one, two, three, in release order, every one of them on the big screen. Oh, wow. And cool. um, I just remember walking back to a campus from the movie theater where we would see the, the original trilogy and the special editions and her asking me all kinds of questions. And I'm just looking at her thinking, I have never loved you more right. than right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because the special editions but, uh, were the downfall of a relationship in my life, but we've covered that territory before. <laughs> yes, yes, I've heard, Big Hawk, and my heart still breaks for you. 
I actually introduced my wife to uh, the original Star Wars trilogy via the uh, THX videotape oh, releases yeah. from, I believe it was around 94, 95, yeah, I want to say. The, the See the original films yes. one last time. Yep. Remember that? Yes. Big ad yeah, campa- yeah. campaign. And, um, you know, that was, that was a big moment when those videotapes came out because you were seeing Star Wars everywhere at that point. Um, you you know go into the Walgreens and there would be Star Wars VHS tapes all over the place and, and uh, the so I, I purchased those and 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 we watched them and uh, you know from episode four to episode six yeah. and uh, there were things that really stood out to her I remember she really liked the Jabba Palace scene she thought that was amazing and she liked the the, the speeder bike chase and yeah. in Jedi and. I think she was just um, sort of captivated by the whole mythology of Star Wars. Little did she know <laughs> what she was getting herself into. But it seems like anyone in my family sort of really, they really soak in a lot of Star Wars. Another guy that I turned on to Star Wars, uh, and you know, strangely enough, it was at the exact same time I was being turned on to Star Wars, was my dad, yeah. who took me and my brother to see a New Hope. It was just Star Wars in 1977, but we saw it that summer. It was a little later in the summer. We talked about this on, yeah, before yeah. on the show. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite movie that summer up the to deep. that point was Peter Benchley's <laughs> The Deep. But um, my dad, uh, I, I sort of turned him on to the film just by being there with him that first day because I knew a little bit about Star Wars going into it. And I was sort of pointing things out to him and he said, wow, you really know this film. And, you know, that's when an obsession began. And years later, when I had finally moved out of the house, I had come back home for a family dinner or something and my mom, whenever I would come home, she would always have a box of stuff for me to take. Here, you have your own house take this crap from your childhood with you. And there, you know, there wasn't much left, right. but I'll, I'll never forget the time me and my brother were standing by the front door saying goodbyes to everyone, and I heard my dad from upstairs go, boys, someone left an ad-ad up here. Nice. And me, and my bro- <laughs> me and my brother looked at each other, both shocked, mouths agape. He knows what an ad-ad is. He knows what that is. Yeah. You know, we'd expect my dad to say, hey, you left some kind of weird-looking elephant up here. But he knew what the ad at was. That's awesome. So it's just that little, you know, people just soak it in. You know, the people who are close and love you, you know, they get to know you inside and out. And when Star Wars is something important to you, they end up learning about it, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because I had the opportunity to introduce my girlfriend to it. Um, You know, she'd never really paid much attention, and... Um, and so I introduced her one through six. I went in chronological order as far as the story goes. And now we've got some friends that they've never seen it. And because they know, really, honestly, the only reason to show four, five, and six, one, two, three, to me anymore is if someone's actually going to be surprised at Luke, I'm your father. Um, and most people know that. You know, even people who aren't really familiar with the films, they know that, that line, and they understand that that's coming. And so, um, so I started to show them one, two, three. They were blown away. They loved episode one. People who've never really been exposed to Star Wars, they're, they're our age, they're adults. We just sat around the house, we cooked supper, we popped in episode one. They loved it. They laughed at Jar Jar. 
They they were intrigued by the story. They were upset when Qui-Gon died, you know. And of course they had their questions. They're like, Skywalker, isn't that supposed to be Luke Skywalker? I'm like, well, that's Anakin Skywalker. Luke comes later in the story. And what I do is I just don't answer all their questions to the extent that I could. You know, I'm just like, hold on, just take what you got in this movie and run with it, you know, and you'll find out all your answers down the road. And and there's and they buy into it. They buy you know, and they loved episode two, and they're so looking forward to episode three. And um, one of the neat things is, is another friend who'd never really gotten to know Star Wars, when episode three came out, you know, we introduced her episodes one and two, so she'd be ready to watch episodes three. She was blown away that Palpatine was the bad guy. You know, <laughs> something that we kind of took for well, granted. Dave Filoni told us a story about a kid who was looking at a bunch of pictures of Clone Wars characters. Mm-hmm. And the little kid was like four years old, saw a picture of Anakin, and the question was asked, good guy or bad guy? He said, good guy. And he was shown a picture of um, Newt Gunray. The kid said, bad guy. And he was shown a picture of Padme. He said, good guy. And then a picture of Palpatine came up, and he said, good guy. Mm. And that got everyone sort of scratching their head. Yeah. Well, now, wait a minute. And then... Why explain it? Because, right. yeah, just take it on the surface level when you're watching The Clone Wars. Palpatine is a good guy. Oh, and, and granted, uh, it, it had not been revealed, you know, in that sort of chronology. Right. You know, that episode between, that period between episodes two and three, it still had not been revealed right. to a, a, a film audience if you're watching those films in that order. Mm-hmm that Palpatine actually is Sidious. You don't know that he's living that double life through episodes one and two and the Clone Wars. Which, quite honestly... They're two separate characters. Darth Sidious is one person. Palpatine's is a separate person. It isn't until episode three when there's the full reveal. Right, right. And and I'll be honest with you, uh, watching the Clone Wars, I forget sometimes that Palpatine's a bad guy. Um, I I mean, it's it's that well done. Um, But I say that to say that I feel like that in 2010, you know, 33 years after the release of the initial Star Wars, 30 years after The Empire Strikes Back, um, personally, I feel like Star Wars still has an appeal to people. The story is timeless, and I think it's timeless because of what Jason said earlier, is that Lucas hasn't let it age with the audience. Lucas, this is Star Wars to Lucas, and, the, and you know, and as, and as long as he has the control and as long as he has the final say in some things, what we see, especially on the Clone Wars or, or on the screen, however that comes about, um, that it'll stay that way. And, and, I, and that's why I feel like Lucas hasn't lost his touch, is because he keeps to the heart of the matter of what the thing is about. Um, you know, even with Indy 4, which I know a lot of people groaned about and everything, I enjoyed it, and I found myself with a big grin on my face, you know, three-quarters of the way through, just because... Lucas and Spielberg knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to make another one of these great serial action flicks and inject a little 50 sci-fi B movie into it. And, um, and, and, and the same is to be said with Star Wars. Overall, though, I, I guess I want to say as we look forward to Celebration 5 in four weeks, as, you know, as we look forward to this huge Star Wars party that I know we're all looking forward to, um, what is the current state of Star Wars? Is it, is it strong? Is it kind of fading? Is it on the fade out again? Are we, are we headed into more dark times? Or have we kind of plateaued and there's nothing, you know, there, there's not much more coming down the pipe? Well, I think there's a lot of new ground to cover mm-hmm. um, because there has been a shift to television. And even though we have heard recently that the, li- the Star Wars live action show has been sort of put on the back burner while they figure out an economical way to, to, to make it, 
Um, it, it, it will happen. It will happen. And when it does, I think that's going to make some of the older fans a lot more happier because it's going to be a little darker and it's going to feature characters that you know and and fan favorites too. It's, it's definitely been confirmed that the show will feature Boba Fett, one of the most popular Star Wars yeah. characters of all time. Yeah. And that will bring, much like the vintage packaging has brought old collectors back into the fold, I think the inclusion of elements like Boba Fett in the live action show will bring older fans back into the fold. Meanwhile, you have the Clone Wars, which is building up this whole new generation of Star Wars fans. And maybe they're not fans of the original trilogy. Maybe they're not fans of any of the films at all. But they are Star Wars fans because that's their Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Yep. So it's rather ingenious, you know, to shoot at younger kids mm-hmm. and get them into Star Wars with the Clone Wars. Yep. On the other side of the coin, longtime Star Wars fans can can enjoy the Clone Wars as much as kids because there's something there for them. It's an extension of the mythology. And it's also a realization of some ideas that hardcore fans know about things like Ralph McQuarrie concept art and stuff mm-hmm. this stuff is finally finding a, a place to live and breathe yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen it all in the books art of Star Wars mm-hmm. art of Ralph McQuarrie we've seen these concepts great ideas that for whatever reason could not be incorporated into the original films some because it just didn't fit the story some because it was just too grand too huge the technology of the day couldn't replicate that sort of artwork on screen but now it can be done via the clone wars yep. so like i said there's something in it for all fans so and um i've embraced the clone wars and accepted it as just another extension of star wars yeah. to me star wars is alive and vibrant and has a very promising future ahead. And you'll see why when you're in Orlando, Florida, there are going to be thousands, tens of thousands of people crammed in this convention center to celebrate Star Wars. On a a year when no film is coming out, there's no films on the horizon, there's the live action show, there's no definite premiere date for that. What you have going on is fandom. Alive and vibrant. These fans aren't going there because it's the 30th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. They're going there because it's Star Wars. And they still the the flame still burns hot. The lightsaber is still ignited. And fans are eating it up. That's why we're seeing all the merchandise out there. That's why we're still seeing all the the novels and comics. And and it keeps reinventing itself over and over again. But there's one constant, and that is Star Wars is Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars is forever. Yep. Yep. Jason, uh, it sounds like your family's ready for you there, pal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to get going, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, guys, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show today. And, and I think we can all agree Star Wars is, is alive and well and as strong as ever. And, um, and and there's just so much more to look forward to. Um, the, the website is forcecast.net. The, the podcast is The Forcecast. Check them out. It's totally worth it. Uh, you can also check Jimmy Mac out at uh, snydermarksradio.net with he and his wife, Wendy Snyder. They do a great job there. Guys, thanks so much for coming on uh, the show today. Our pleasure, Big Hawk. Always a pleasure. All right, Yes, it's great to talk to you, Steve. We'll see you in Orlando. Yeah, look forward to seeing you guys in Orlando. We'll talk to you soon. All All right. right. Take care, my friend. You too. Bye-bye. 
once again, thanks so much to Jason and Jimmy Mack for stopping by, taking time out to stop by. And I tell you what, if you're headed down to Orlando for Celebration 5, make sure you look me up. Make, I'll be there. Um, get me on the Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Big Honkin. Shoot me an email, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Hey, we've got a Facebook page, facebook.com uh, forward slash geekoutloud, all one word, geekoutloud. Let me know over there. I would love to meet you guys, and hopefully we'll have a chance to get together and different people, that sort of thing, during the show uh, down at Celebration 5 in Orlando, Florida. Real quick, as we go, you heard it at the outset with one of the worst cold openings ever. Big uh, Big Honkin' Show and Geek Out Loud shirts are officially for sale. You go to geekoutonline.com, uh, click store, and it'll take you right to a place where you can buy. We've got the new and improved official Geek Out Loud t-shirt. It's got the dot. Um, and uh, it looks great, and it's, it's going to be a great shirt. Uh, we've also got a couple of new models of the Geek Out Loud shirt coming. We've got, a, we've got it in blue coming later this week uh, at the release of this podcast. And we've got um, a new special shirt that'll be, that you'll see if you go to store. It, it'll be there soon enough uh, for you to check out it for Geek Out Loud. There's also a new Big Honkin' Show shirt there. Uh, but the point is, support Geek Out Loud. Support the Big Honkin' Show. Uh, head over to store. I promise this time things are so much easier than they were. Uh, it's an easier store to navigate. It's an easier way to place orders uh, using Google Checkout or PayPal. Uh, so make sure uh, that you're doing that. Head over there to help us out. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. The Facebook is facebook.com forward slash geekoutloud. We'd love to have you be a part of things over there. And uh, and I'm Big Honk and Steve, your host for this, your safe place to geek out, Geek Out Loud. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time, which will maybe be, hopefully be, sooner than you think on the Geek Out Loud podcast. <laughs>